Thank you for joining us for another episode of SIFMA's DNI podcast series. I'm Amina Ross, Managing Director of Advocacy at SIFMA. I'm here today to discuss diversity, equity, and inclusion in the financial services industry, the opportunities and challenges we face, and some of the innovative work currently being done at our member firms. I'm pleased to be joined today by Chantal Cuba, Co-Chief Inclusion and Diversity Officer and Chief of Staff to the CEO at Cetera Financial Group. Chantal has served as an executive level advisor with substantial experience serving in financial services across strategy, risk, and human resources verticals. And she is recognized for implementing winning organic and inorganic growth strategies. She leads qualitative research on women in senior leadership roles, and her delivery portfolio includes anti-racist and inclusion learning for nonprofit boards. Welcome, Chantal. Thank you so much, Amina. I appreciate it. So let's get started. Um, Within the industry, the commitment has been made to diversity, equity, inclusion. Goals include greater diversity in recruitment, training programs, and in leadership roles. When formulating a long-term strategy for successful diversity, equity, and inclusion, what does a firm need to first address? That's a great question. I think it's most important to for that firm, any firm, whether it's Cetera or anyone else um, in our space, to say, what do we need as a firm and as a culture and a company out of this strategy to better serve our clients, of course, uh, to meet our, if you have fiduciary responsibilities, and ultimately what type of culture, how you address diversity and inclusion really is, you know, from your, if you're a gardener from the ground up, it's about what the soil is in your organization. What type of culture do we build? That's one that grows inclusion as we know, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about diversity and inclusion in themselves are not just about hiring or getting people on board, but rather building a space and a place where everyone can thrive and grow and identify with the pieces and parts of themselves that ultimately bring their unique value to the organization and to the clients that we serve in this industry. Yeah, I I love the metaphor of soil and growing because we're, um, the entire industry is kind of on this uh, journey of DEI. And so I'd like to kind of focus on um, how the events of last year the social justice and George Floyd protests, how that has affected and sustained the efforts and momentum within your organization and the industry as you drive towards success. First, I think I think all of us just as humanity, we're so deeply impacted. And you know, I'll speak for myself as a professional woman of color and likely you identify this way as well, racism is not new to any of us, whether we're of color or of the majority. But I think I actually, for as horrific as those events were, I'm hopeful that as a country and as a society, that we're more ready to have open conversations, courageous conversations, and more willing to unapologetically put a stake in the ground around, you know, building and growing an anti-racist society. And that by that byproduct is a more inclusive society. 
And so to answer your question specifically for Satera, I think we saw the same things, similar things at Satera that I'm guessing most of our listeners saw within their organizations and you know their different professional, both professional organizations as well as their jobs, is people wanted to do something. And people were just struggling with, well, where do I start? This is such an enormous problem, right? Um, and the opportunity of that is now this is great. Like everybody come on in, get on board. There is a space and a place and a platform for everybody who wants to be an advocate. And I'm, I want to just say how big I am. And I try to preach this at Satara and I'm preaching everywhere I go. You don't have to be of color. You don't have to be black American. You don't have to be, you know, in Afghanistan to be an advocate for the next person right? Just you standing up and speaking out and representing, you know, your lack of tolerance for inequality and ultimately abuse of other human beings is part of being an advocate. And so I think that regardless of whether we do that at Satera or at the next organization, I think ultimately that's what we're all wanting to do. And now we are looking at formal ways to set that up and structure that and, you know, build goals and strategies. And of course, tactics and metrics for business people at the end of the day, we can't help ourselves to come back to that. And I'm happy to talk about some of the mechanics of that, but I really think that's what we were hopefully trying to do and, you know, really excited to join with others like yourself and other people in the industry to do such. Yeah, so you know our industry is all about the metrics. So if inclusion initiatives are successful at Satera and throughout the industry, what are the measurements and goals that reflect the milestones of progress you hope to see? Quite simply, our goals at Satera are around the percentage of representation of uh, women plus and historically underserved groups. And that also for us, is a broader definition, which includes ability, physical and cognitive abilities, as well as sexual orientation and you know, other racial and ethnic definitions. But quite frankly, it's around our representation goal within our top three leadership levels over the next three years. So seeing that goal achieved for us would be kind of our primary metric. And then I can't help myself being a Six Sigma professional at points. Our secondary metric would be and I want to be very open about this, is to not have the unintended consequence of alienating any other group. So I speak very openly about this is not at the expense of not hiring white men or, you know, altering white men, the number of white men being in leadership, but rather to lift others up and to accelerate them into those leadership positions and team and manager leader positions more quickly. And we would see that as success. And the secondary metric is it's not at the expense of anyone else's well-being. So SIFMA has uh, talked about best practices in terms of diversity and inclusion. And one of the things that we've discussed with our member firms is the idea that we want to um, adequately prepare the leaders of our industry despite race or ethnicity um, to lead uh, organizations that will be diverse and for diverse clients, you know? So to your point, it's very important that folks understand that this is not specifically at the, you know, at the detriment to one race or one gender or another, but making sure that the leaders that come up in the industry are adequately prepared to lead any type of organization, especially a diverse one. 
Um, so what is particularly challenging about implementing inclusion in financial services, uh, particularly in the independent broker dealer sector? But I think it would be really interesting to kind of hear from a lot of different um, aspects of the sector since you have such broad experience in the industry. Um, and how is the Terra taking action to create a more inclusive environment? Thank you. I'll try to answer all parts of that. I think what is difficult is, in my perspective as a practitioner, as an executive, as a professional who has both formally worked on DNI practices as well as just been an advocate and a supporter and leader of them from within my day job. I think, quite frankly, our fear of offending others at the expense of accelerating those who are, again, historically underrepresented in our field, I really believe it's our fear that holds us back, right? When we ultimately, I think it's quite simple to solve for the inclusion equation. We can simply hire, hire and develop more people into the roles that we want if they're coming from outside of our company. And then within our own company, your best talent source are the people that are inside of your own company that very likely are overlooked for promotion, for development, for acceleration opportunities. So I think if you put those two together and the third piece is, you know, creating and sustaining an inclusive culture, you have the equation solved for, right? Now we can talk about nuances in industries such as mine in the independent broker dealer space or in private equity or in finance. There are you know, segments and sectors of our field where the number of available talent, which is why I think all of us, I think we'll see as a common, the red thread, you would say across all institutions is how do we accelerate the talent that's ready, the both general talent and diverse talent that's ready to come into our field. We, we can't deny that some roles and jobs in our field require specific skills and training and degrees and certifications, great let's make sure that we always keep that pipeline robust. And we do that through internships and fellowships and apprenticeships and all the tactical things that we all are committed to doing collectively and then bringing those people. And then the second phase is keeping those people, developing those people into the leaders, helping them you know, grow into their leadership presence and style that we want in our organizations. And then ultimately, you know, taking that action, promoting them, right? There's no, as we know, when we all have hired someone or chosen to develop or invest in something, there's no perfect, there's no absolute, you know, grow that person who's right there, grow that person who has interest, right? Give that person a chance who didn't come from the Ivy League, you know, B school, but still is talented and hungry and wants to serve your clients, right? So, you know, this combination of both grit you know, to kind of reference that Angela Duckworth term, grit, but also intentional action, I think is really how we, you know, both move through the challenge that we know we have and hopefully take action to create a more inclusive environment. And you, just to cover off on your last question, specifically, you asked me, what are some of the things that Tara's doing to create a more inclusive environment? We are, you know, both from a learning and dialogue perspective, we're openly um, across all levels of our organization, having learning and conversations around how to have courageous conversations about race, about inequity, about challenges, how to have a culture where we can talk about mistakes, we can talk about rebounding, we can talk about learnings uh, freely, 
And then we're doing that again through um, also being more transparent about what do, what do our representation numbers look like? We have recently made a leadership and management committee commitment to publish our, you know, both our open jobs and what our diverse pipeline looks like to fill those jobs and the days to fill those jobs every quarter so that all of our top 50 leaders are aware, for example, I mean, if you had four roles open, what is that your roles are open? You know, we move so fast unintentionally. Oftentimes I wouldn't know if I work in another division that you had four roles open, right? So maybe that's a miss on, I have some great talent I could present to you or share with you or, you know, through extended networks that we all belong to through our different affinities, you know, really start to grow and increase an inclusive pipeline. So, you know, we're taking some very intentional actions inside of our space to help, you know, close this gap as quickly as we can. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit about what our firms are doing and what Satira is doing internally um, to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. But let's shift a little bit to the advisor-client relationship. So the results of all our work in financial services largely takes place within the advisor-client relationship as we help families and individuals save and plan for their financial futures. What positive impact do we create from intentionally focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, first and foremost, I'm unapologetic and fearless about saying inclusion and diversity is a business initiative. I think we very often feel compelled to start with the social, but the truth of the matter is this is a business initiative. And without citing one reference, we know the demographics of this nation. The last census told us that there are more people of mixed race and ethnic origin, slightly more than of white origin. We know that the number of new millionaires in this country are of ethnic origin. They're likely Indian or some form of uh, uh, Asian descent. And so we have the statistics to tell us wealth is no longer just white in America. And preparing your workforce, which for us are financial advisors, and ultimately you know, preparing them to serve their clients is ultimately a business imperative, making sure that they can respond to the planning needs and considerations of any client that you know, texts them, messages them, emails them, comes into their office, whatever form you're doing business in this environment, is, not, is I think our number one objective. And then when we look again at another part of the equation, when we look at the number of assets that will be in motion in the next 10 years as baby boomers transfer wealth to their, their children and to their beneficiaries, there's not enough available talent today in the field, regardless of gender or race or ethnicity to serve those assets. So I think, and that's what I'm so excited about is, you know, preparing the next generation to come into the field and help clients capture this wealth transfer, and then growing the people who are here today to be able to serve the needs of those people more distinctly and with, you know, great experience and credentialing. I just think there's such a tremendous opportunity. I think I really see it as an inflection point where, you know, market demand and our current customer base needs this field to respond this way now. So Chantal, you're, you're a thought leader in the industry, an expert in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you recently moderated two enlightening interview programs for Satira's Financial Advisor 
key annual conference that incorporated an array of experts and perspectives on inclusion and equity. Can you share with us some of your key learnings and insights from those programs? Absolutely. I think most importantly, and I touched on this a bit earlier, is that that perseverance and passion piece, as Angela Duckworth has coined it, grit, and she was one of the people we interviewed and spoke with. I think that is so important to any life goal, and particularly in diversity and inclusion work. This is not a overnight solution, but a journey and having that ability to see it as such and knowing that the impacts that we make sometimes we're seeding them and we may, we may not see them, you know, I may not see them in this role, but seeing them seed or you may not see them in your space within the day-to-day -day of your role. But I do think that we all are contributing to the change and that's really exciting. And the second thing I would um, also call out as learnings and we're an example, as much as we have public and private and not-for-profit and non-profit cooperation, I think those four entities have all of the resources that we need to solve for you know, inclusion and diversity and American financial wellness and overall well-being. And as much as we can look to partner and cooperate and support each other, I think that we can solve for this in our careers lifetime. So before we wrap up, I'd like to look at the future in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the financial services industry. You talked a little bit about the demographic changes um, in terms of wealth in the United States. How can we um, set up goals and initiatives that can meet those, those differences and those changes? How can we do a better uh, job of addressing that? And what should we be most focused on? I think having a very clear goal, one about the representation of your workforce. And if you have a dual workforce, such as we do your workforce and your advisor or sales force, I think that's you know most important. And then segmenting that goal into developing new talent versus developing experienced talent should be the second part of that goal. And I think start there. And I think the second goal that I put forth for all um, organizations to consider is now what do you do once you have those people in place? How do you develop them? How do you retain them? How do you treat them? How do you mentor them? How do you expose them? How do you create advocacy with them? Not for them, there's nothing wrong with them, but rather how do you create advocacy with them? And I think that companies will find that this is a conversation that just becomes a part of the fiber of their organization and their culture and how you do business and how you grow employees. Okay. With that, thanks so much again, Chantal, for joining me today. It was a real pleasure chatting with you. To learn more about SIFMA and our work to promote diversity and inclusion, please visit us at www.sifma.org, explore issues, diversity and inclusion, and to learn more about Satera Financial Group's amazing work in this space, please visit satera.com.